You are Locked On Bulldogs, your daily podcast on the Georgia Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast. I am Daniel. I'm Clint. We got the three windows back. This is Clark. Everybody, Clark, how you doing today, man? Clint, David, very nice to join you all this evening. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys don't know, uh, Clark is part of SEC StatCat. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at SEC underscore StatCat as well as SECStatCat.com. Uh, he's going to give us a little little preview of what he does on the Twitter and over on the site here in a little bit talking about all things statistics as it pertains to SEC schools. We're going to throw him a couple questions. He's going to answer for you. So you guys are in for a treat. But uh, Daniel and I are fans, first and foremost. We're not gurus or insiders by any stretch of the imagination, which is great because because when we have people uh, that are smart on the podcast, uh-huh. uh, it, it, it's really good for you all because Daniel and I are just two jokels trying to string together coherent thoughts, which sometimes, let's be real, most of the time that doesn't happen. Um, it's so a swarm of dolphins, Clint, is what I've been told now. I think it's a swarm. Of, if there's more than six, it's a swarm of dolphins. There's but, less, but than, less than ten. Less than ten, <laughs> Daniel. It's not a, it's not a super swarm. Um, this podcast is for fans by fans. That's what we say every week on the show. And, uh, we are real Georgia fans. You are a real Georgia fan. And so that's what the podcast is all about. Part of being a real fan sometimes is educating yourself. That's why we like to have people who know what they're talking about. People like Brooks Austin and people like Clark Brooks, my man down here, uh, SEC stat cat. If you don't follow this Twitter handle, um, while you're listening to the show right now, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, uh, go, go follow that Twitter right now because it's all the insight and information you're going to need, not just about Georgia, but about all of college football. Um, and, um, and then jump back over and subscribe to our YouTube. Thanks for checking it out on their locked on Bulldogs on YouTube. Leave us a comment, um, a thumbs up, whatever you want on that. All right, Clark, um, we, we're used to talking about this Georgia team and I know you cover this Georgia team as part of the regular work that you do, uh, not exclusively, but, um, you know, a, a team like Georgia, I'm sure this year is got your attention as it does most of um, the media. And so talk to me. Let's start with the offense. The Georgia defense is kind of the – no, let's just start with the defense. Forget about that. We'll get to the offense. I was going to say, hold, 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 hold your <laughs> tongue, guys, sir. Even the best start with anything but the defense. That's right. So let's start with this Georgia defense. When you look at this unit – from a statistical perspective, what jumps off the page at you? What do you see when you watch the tape? Uh, what makes this defense special? Um, they have just been able to defend the spread offense better than anyone else. Of course, over the last decade, RPOs spreading out five wide, really getting the passing game, the pass first mentality into the zeitgeist, into the common practices of college offense, getting away from the I formations, getting away from establishing it. Not saying that running the ball and getting a physical um, style of play is not important, but as teams are starting to drop back a little bit more, defenses have responded, and no one has responded to defending that style of play better than Kirby Smart's Georgia defenses as of late. And you're asking for me, 
What's one thing that really jumps off the page statistically? Well, in SEC play especially, it's forcing three and outs, guys. We're talking 56% of Georgia's defensive drives have ended in a three and out, while only one out of eight drives have allowed points. That's amazing. Right there. That's all you basically have to say. And again, <laughs> when, when you're when you're approaching things from defending the pass overly with two deep shell um, type of stuff, and you're only allowing a 1.3 rush yard before contact average, you're able to have your cake and eat it too, my friends. That's... <laughs> I was just I baptized know. for like the fourth time in a matter of two minutes. I, I don't... We, oh. we might... Listen... We might just cut the pod right here, and you just play that four minutes on loop, Georgia fans, and you just listen. <laughs> listen, we're talking about 1.3 rushing yards, yards before, before contact. contact. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's insane. And over 50% of opponents drives three and outs. I mean, Clark, that's, yeah. that's silly. Like, that's criminal. Almost. And I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have this. Is is there comps for who else has even come close to something like that? Yeah, Auburn's defense in 2019, they had a similar three and out rate. They were pretty similar down to down. But in terms of just like across the board dominance, there's really no one that checks as long as a lot of these boxes like Georgia's defense right now. And SEC play, I should say. Hmm. Now the front seven uh gets gets all the the pub for this uh defense and rightfully so because it's just dude after dude after dude across the front seven on this podcast we we really like the secondary though we really think that Lewisine and Christopher Smith in on the back end and then the corners Darion Kendrick and Keely Ringo um on the outsides are, are improving and are playing better and they just I mean, honestly, they don't get tested a lot, Clark, and so you don't get to see a ton out of them. Um, what any, you know, ninety nine is kind of the obvious. Jordan Davis kind of stands out to everybody when you watch. Ooh. But any any other players kind of jump off the page to you when you look at this Georgia defense? So yeah, I am an offense guy. I root for offenses to succeed. It frustrates me to hell when teams just cannot do anything against this defense. In particular, the, the inability to find matchup advantages attacking linebackers. And Mr. Dean is one of the best coverage linebackers I have seen since I've charted. I've charted the SEC basically since 2018, so last four years. Um, last time I checked, I think Pro Football Focus sent out – I don't keep track of passer ratings targets, but they do. Um, he, has, he has the lowest um, passer rating allowed when targeted in the Power 5. And obviously when you're matched up with tight ends and running backs and guys who might be quicker afoot, and while you are kind of this slender mold of linebackers where you're able to be physical enough to defend the run but negate – those throwing lanes like I was talking about, being able to, to defend the spread, that cannot happen if you do, do not have linebackers that can basically do it all. And he absolutely stands out for me. Mm. Clint, you, you, you love you, to hear you, it. I was just going to say, you're talking my language right now. I am a middle linebacker, just all my favorite dogs, all my, just especially these guys. Roquan was my favorite. Uh, Nicobe Dean is ascending the charts. I said, um, the beginning, the, the whole entire week, 
that Nicobe Dean is slowly creeping up my Mount Rushmore of middle linebackers just because of how he plays. Now, on this defense, he gets kind of, I mean, he's a special player, but when you're surrounded by other special players, it's really hard to outshine them. And yet he still is to that tune of there's no other player better in college football at defending the pass as a middle linebacker. than that, Guys, that's stupid. Like, I don't, I don't think we understand how stupid that is. Uh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, I just, across the board, that makes sense. My eyeballs are telling me what you just told me, and now you're putting analytics behind it. That makes all the sense in the world. I love hearing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, when you get into what how Kirby likes to use, simulated pressures, creeper pressures, where it's basically defensive play action, you're presenting a different look and just bailing out baking like it's going to be a pressure, but you're not really bringing five, six bodies. You're only bringing four. You cannot do that without versatility whatsoever. And, of course, hmm. having a big body like <laughs> like Jordan Davis and Jalen Cotter in the middle to play gap and a half or whatever terminology you want to use to you know prevent using an extra body on the back end to take away that gap because you have that type of skill set. But, again, at the same time, you still have to have linebackers that can tackle in space and not give up yardage too much after contact because like you know i did mention that yards before contact well georgia is still number one in sec play in yards after contact with a 2.1 clip and no one has missed fewer tackles on run attempts in georgia as well so again they're not giving hidden yardage and they're just able to just bottle people up without giving up big plays because as you all know they have yet to allow a 20 yard or more run in conference play with only three passes beyond uh, 35 or more yards they're just completely bottling, bottling up these field-flipping plays. And as you know, if you win the explosive play battle, in today's day and age, it is more correlated to victories than winning the turnover battle. So That's... Just taking that element away and forcing the nickel and dime approach is just a completely an obvious statistical advantage that this uh, Georgia defense has. Listen, Kirby Smart on the Monday press conference basically came out and said, I hate advanced statistics like he basically said clark i hate you he didn't mention <laughs> you name, but he basically said i hate you but then he went on to say the exact thing that you just said he said it later in the presser in my mind explosive plays are the number one correlation to winning he's not looking at the data and the math that you're looking at, he's just using his very smart eyeballs and watching football with them. And yet you guys are coming to the exact same conclusion. Georgia is trying to be better and has been a little bit better. We'll talk about this next segment in terms of creating some explosive plays on offense. But as you just said, no one is better at limiting explosive plays than Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, and this defense. Um, and... That's yeah, the, it's that's that Kirby death march that we talked about, Daniel, before. Like we dubbed it the Kirby death march because once you all of a sudden get a lead out and now all of a sudden the other team knows they have to travel down the, the field methodically. They can't get there quickly. They can't do a one minute, 30 second drive. They got to go seven minute drive and there's only five minutes on the clock. Like they know they're done. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing to say. We're going to keep on hearing from Clark a little bit more. We have some more questions for him, but first, want to let you know about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It is college football daily fantasy. It's fantastic. Right now, you go to PrizePicks.com or download the app in the Google Play Store or the iOS Store. It's award-winning app. You can do any prop bet you can think of. And right now, my head is spinning with prop bets. Right now, y'all, I'm I mean, going. I'm going to cash 
no more than two plays over 35 yards for Georgia for here in perpetuity. Just every can game from here miss, on out. Can you get a missed tackles under prop bet. Maybe sure, we'll just go with that one. We just let's try that. From that one. Uh, prizepicks.com is your daily fantasy made easy. It, you're able to do any props you can think of. You against the number. Right, right now, if you go to prizepicks.com, put in the promo code locked on, you're going to get 100% deposit up to $100. So please put 100 bucks in, put locked on the promo code. You're going to get 100 bucks on top of that, 200 total at prizepicks.com. But Daniel, that's not the only, uh, that's not the only people oh, you no. want to let know. Oh, no. No, of course no. it is. Uh, today's episode is actually brought to you by McDonald's. Uh, it's brought to you by McDonald's, probably serving communities since 1965. Damn, that's a whole lot of time to be serving communities. 1965 that's is McDonald's. Almost it's as long as you've been alive, Clint. Almost, close, Almost not quite. Uh, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McClure's. I'm still waiting for that endless supplies uh, to come to my table. Win or lose is a place where teammates, competitors, a home team or the away team can come to recharge. Daniel and I have been on road trips where we've needed McDonald's. We've been to Clemson game and we needed Mickey D's, those golden arches. We're going to tell you that story later. I promise you I'm going to make Daniel tell you that story because he nearly puked his brains out in the car from a migraine from screaming at the top of his lungs at the Clemson game. <laughs> Listen, um, it's the worst, worst drive through experience I've ever had in my life. Not a McDonald's. That's not a McDonald's. McDonald's is a sponsor of the podcast. It's, if it was the other place, we wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, birthday parties or anything else. Grab a McDonald's after a busy day. So head to your local McDonald's, refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Bulldogs watch party? I'm loving it. Uh, Daniel, where do you want to go? Well, Clark, a noted offensive guy, in according to him, according to his words. Uh, so, I guess we won't force him to talk about elite defense anymore because you can see the pain on his face as he but, but does. Just, but just, just really quick, before I, I want the listeners and the watchers to understand. Um, he said, "Spread offenses, new day and age. This is where we are, offensive wise." And the Georgia Bulldogs have figured out the secret to stopping the spread offense the number one thing i just that should give you all the hope in the world i mean john, john who was on the, the pod yesterday um has said often and clark i don't know if you saw this but after the georgia clemson game post-game press conference kirby um kind of had a quote that georgia fans have been re-watching and has, has come up over and over again this season where where he basically said look people think we're we're crazy saying we want to hold teams under 13 points but you know, why can't we? we? They have the ball. We They have 11 players. We have 11 players. They have a scheme. We have a scheme. Why can't we stop them? Uh, and, you know, that that mindset has kind of been laughed off as, like, not possible in college football in this day and age. And yet, Kirby and Dan Lanning and the boys have at least taken steps in that direction this season. But let's talk about the Georgia offense. The much maligned Georgia offense only scoring 37 points a game, which for some is pathetic, trash, trash can of an offense. Who knows if they're good enough? And so I'm going to ask you, Clark, when you look at this Georgia offense from a, a more objective place than Clint or I ever could, uh, what do you see? What jumps off the page? Um, what do you see on that side of the ball? They don't move backwards hardly at all. 
um, like hardly at all, 5% of their plays in SEC play in standard time. So we're taking out garbage time snaps. These are only when the good stuff, the only time it matters. 5% of their snaps result in a loss. That is the lowest in the SEC. They have a league high yards per play at 7.4. They have a league high success rate at 54.2. They have a league high explosive play rate. And in my vernacular, that's 20 plus yard passes and 10 plus yard runs. They have the lowest havoc play rate allowed. So we just mentioned defense. Havoc is what you want as a defense. These are TFLs, batted balls, uh, turnover worthy plays. Well, on the flip side, on the offensive side, no SEC offense in standard time in league play has surrendered a lower rate than the Georgia Bulldogs, nor have scored a preferable points per play, touchdown rate, or boast a higher scoring drive rate. So they do a lot of things well. A lot so of I things well. Summarize. Is that, okay. is that good? Is that? <laughs> I think you could quantify that as good. I okay. Think. So now, Clark, follow-up yeah. question. Follow-up question. Yeah. You're mentioning all these statistical categories that Georgia leads to the SEC. Your Twitter handle is SEC StatCat, so you would know you know the SEC. The whole league. Um, question is, why are you excluding Alabama from all these categories when you say Georgia yeah. leads the SEC? Why is it Clearly that you're, they're not in that, right? Us, you're giving us the SEC except Alabama, correct? Is that no, what you're saying? This is including <laughs> Alabama. So, yeah, like while oh. Alabama has a preferable points per play across the entire season, across the entire snaps, if you just look at SEC play, Georgia is best. Because, I mean, look, we know that each team plays poop states every once in a while, cupcakes every once in a while, but to try and standardize each mm. team's schedule and just to see, look, good against good, unless you're playing, obviously, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt. unfortunately the East yeah. teams have to do on occasion. Um, yeah. Besides that, it's a great reflection of just good against good, and it's a better reflection of what you can expect week to week, and that's why I like to look at just isolated SEC play there. So um, even though, yeah, Alabama played Miami, they did still play Mercer, and that still, bar none, is a much – easier opponent than someone like South Carolina or Vanderbilt or Missouri. So end of the day, you just got to like to see how you can perform in conference. So at this point in time, entering week 10, no one is better than Georgia, basically in all of those statistical categories. So um, when you look at, when you go a little bit, that's kind of big picture, what the offense is doing as a whole, um, when you narrow in on specific players, I got to, I got to ask about, Quarterbacks Georgia, so the whole conversation around the offense of Georgia has been around the quarterback position. Obviously, Stetson Bennett and the way he's played, that you know he's he's leading this team to win after win. JT Daniels has been injured. Now, is he back? Is he healthy? Is he hundred percent? Whatnot? What have you seen out of those two quarterbacks from an objective, maybe more statistical point of view? Um, and just as you watch the film. What jumps out about each of those guys uh, for Georgia? Well, I can be pretty loquacious on this topic. So year over year, Stetson Bennett, obviously last year he became downright unplayable because he was wasting too many chances. I think he and Dwan Mathis, off the top of my head, had the two highest uncatchable pass rates in the SEC last year. Oh, no. Um, 
Um, I think it was around a quarter of their targets or about. So like one out of four passes was just complete wash. Had no chance of off being off the top of my whatsoever. head. That checks out. Those numbers check out <laughs> yeah. off the top yeah. of my head. That um, and so when when JT Daniels was put in the lineup, he didn't have to be Superman. And in fact, his depth adjusted accuracy and over you know his four game stint was the third lowest in the conference. And that might not sound right because, oh, my, wait, depth-adjusted accuracy. I mean, he's throwing the ball downfield pretty far, but I'm seeing these balls being caught. He must be good. The thing is, he was inaccurate. He was off target, but he was giving his guys chances to come down with the ball. And that was a major game-changer. Again, going back on the explosive play trend, the easiest way to get explosive uh, explosive plays is to complete a deep pass it's a two-person operation you don't have to have a great blocking you just have you know a great jump ball receiver or or great precision there's your explosive play there's your field flipper right there so um with Bennett wasting less chances they're not necessarily asking him to press the ball downfield but looking at his pass chart right now he has completed 50 percent of his deep balls that is a great improvement year over year um but yeah he still does leave a little bit to be desired looking at his um his metrics so he might have the second best first down touchdown rate the best explosive pass rate and the third best uh, success rate in sec play but when you look at things like accuracy depth adjusted accuracy uncatchable pass rate and completion percentage he rates no better than seventh so yes there is an opportunity, perhaps, if a quarterback switch happens. Now, that said, I don't know what to make of JT Daniels this year because we know in the Clemson game he was not healthy. You look at his pass chart, I think he had one pass beyond 15 yards downfield. It was a concerted yep. effort to make it manageable, make him a facilitator, play hot potato, and just get it to a playmaker in space. Well, he that's basically how he's operated, more or less, um, in the other appearances he's had this season. He hasn't necessarily had to throw downfield too often, and when it has, it's been basically a play-action shot or a fake screen. That's the play where his interception occurred. Um, but, um, yeah, the hope is he can be his um, eclectic itself, or I should say um, uh, exciting self driving the ball downfield. So it's one thing to just complete the deep passes, but this was a very apparent aspect of this offense last year. When he came in, he not only led the uh, SEC in yards per attempt and, you know, a few other deep metrics, he had the top deep pass rate. So he was doing it more often than anyone. Of course, Georgia's offense, it's still vertical, but it's not necessarily as vertical as it was last year. I don't know if they're going to get back to doing that if the quarterback switch happens. But, of course, when you look at uh, Stetson Bennett, he's not the quarterback that you can rely on to do that every given down. Of course, he's very, very strong on early downs. But if you follow the Twitter account, I wasn't shy sharing to the world that he was awful on third downs. Entering this past game, um, he I think it was Mike Wright of Vanderbilt was the only SEC-er to have a less uh, or have a lower success rate on third down than uh, than, uh, than oh, Bennett, no. which is, which is funny because – he had five successful plays and four of them were touchdowns. So like, you know, it's a very weird thing there, but um, Hmm. obviously end of the day, one of the things that really jumped out with Janels last year was how he was the best SEC in SEC play on the money down. Of course, again, Cincinnati, not so much, but when um, those uh, three or four SEC opponents, he was very good on third down. And that's a big red flag for me because third downs yes they are important yes they matter yes you need to be able to sustain drives and deal with unique pressures unique situations 
They're just less stable. They're less reliable. They're less dependable. Um, series to series, game to game, week to week, just because of like all the variables involved. That's why you like to look at early down success as a better barometer. And that's one thing that Stetson Bennett really does have going for him right now. Again, these the, the statistics I threw out, the, the results and the process, that has all snaps included and don't necessarily filter anything out. So, again, when you have the second-best first-down touchdown rate and the third-best overall success rate, and when you have the third-lowest success rate on third down, that should just tell you how money he has been um, basically on normal mixed downs. Um, because, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. He had like a 70% completion percentage on passes beyond 10-plus yards downfield, which was tracking to be historic type of mm. output. Of course, that's going to be really tough to maintain over the course of the season. As we saw, he's already kind of dropped off there. But again, when you compare to where he was last year, wasting about one every four of his pass attempts, and then when you look down, you see a fifth of his passes this year result in a 20-plus yard completion. It's Hello. hard not to take the, um, uh, you know, hard not to take those results and just want a complete overhaul and, and shoehorn JT Daniels in there. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot to digest. I want to. I want to ask yeah. uh, kind of a kind of a general follow up, but we're gonna do it when we come back. I want to ask kind of a, uh, a and then I want to get your take about the landscape of college football. I want to get your take on some other teams, etc. Um, let's do that when we come back. First, I want to tell you about Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar on planet Earth. They come in a wide variety of delicious flavors. There are chocolate flavors, fruit flavors, and they are all tasty and delicious. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Each and every one is high in protein, high in fiber, low in sugar. They are great for whatever you need them on the go, pre-workout, post-workout. Whenever you need something that is delicious and tastes, deli- uh, tastes great and is good for you, Bill Bar is the way to go. Go to BillBar.com right now. Enter the promo code Locked On 15 and you'll get 15% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. That is a 15 per, uh, 15% off. Sorry, 15% off your order at BillBar.com right now when you enter the promo code Locked On 15. Also, want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. Tomorrow, Clint and I will be back with locks. Mm-hmm. We will be getting our picks for this weekend of college football. Um, uh, we are having a, uh, I mean, what some might call a historic run in the locks segment. And so if you want to get in on the money train, then tune back in tomorrow and listen for our college football picks. Um, uh, and when you do, go to betonline.ag. Create an account, make a deposit, enter the promo code locked on, and get a 50% bonus on your deposit. That means when you deposit $100, they give you $50 free dollars with which to bet at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. What was your follow up, Daniel, to that? Was that a Todd Munkin well, effect, a wide receiver effect? What was, what was your follow up? Yeah, well, I want to get some. Yeah, I'd love to get just your thoughts on the Todd Munkin offense. So, you know, kind of two years in now and a lot of similar pieces. And, um, you, you know, Clint and I, very high on the playmakers on the outside, really feel like. More than the quarterback position, that's the difference between this year's team and last year's team. Even without George Pickens, everyone's kind of go-to best receiver on this team. 
the national narrative kind of on Georgia was they don't have any weapons to throw the ball to. And that I think has been proven to be kind of a silly narrative. So we'd love to get your thoughts on Todd Munkin quickly and the rest of the Georgia offense, if you have them. And then I have a general stat follow-up question about what you do for the common fan. Sure. Um, yeah, so year over year, there have been some um, some changes. Like I said, with JT Daniels in there, they were very, very vertical. No one had a higher deep pass rate. Um, actually, they had a higher early down pass rate over the last month of the season with him in charge. So they were actually going to come out to play pass first. But when you look at their splits today, um, 44% pass, no SEC team is lower in standard time. So they are wanting to establish the uh, established run and they're not really wanting to put JT, or I'm sorry, they're not really wanting to put Stetson Bennett in obvious passing situations. Like I said, that third down's not so great. When people know what he's about to do, he's not so good. So they want to use that run to set up that play action game. And this is really what I have loved from this offense. So they are without a doubt the most dangerous play action team. So um, knowing hmm. that Bennett is the most explosive passer, it should not surprise you that Georgia has a 30% 15-plus pass rate off of play action with 25% of them going for 20 yards or more. Both are SEC highs. So what are they doing specifically? Um, well, one pattern or one concept family in particular, that, in particular that is just jumping off the page to me are wheel switches. So there are three different designs patterns that um, Georgia has featured, but when you pull these three looks together, I can go into them a little bit more specifically if you care for me to do that. But in general, with these concepts, 10 of 13, 338 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions. Of course, one of them happened just this past weekend. That was yep. the first interception after this lovely leak play. Ooh, um, ooh, um, mm. Which is also kind of the same idea, right? Because you're getting a wheel kind of leak along the sideline where you're trying to influence – the other two routes towards the middle of the field get that alley along the sideline, right? So it's the same type of idea. Hmm. So one of them is a double post with the wheel over here. Another one is a fake screen pattern. So you're going to have a little tunnel screen with the wheel switch there. And then the other one is just basic wheelie, which is just the two-man concept, which is just a post and a wheel with two people. So again, 10 of 13, 338 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Of course, both interceptions happened in the same area of the field. Both were predetermined essentially. Um, but most of them had been off of play action. Now, why is that important? Because on its face, wheel switches, yeah, you can say that they're designed to confuse match pattern, two deep coverages like cover four, um, cover two, or man two deep. Sometimes they're really good against cover uh, single high coverages like cover three. And why is that? Because um, when a safety comes down to collapse with that play action to run fill, that leaves three guys deep and usually, um, you know, one guy is going to be isolated on one side. And he's going to have to be a conflict defender to either try and squeeze that post or stay on the sideline. And the inside leverage should work out with that middle safety bailing back where that post should have enough um, void to either come open if he cannot rob it. So with that flank defender usually compromised coming to defend the, the flank or something like that, and then next thing you know that out route is going up and around, oh, it gets itself wide open. So, again, the play-action game, has been fantastic, whether with bootlegs or another weak side flood concept. Cross by cross, it's an air raid staple. You're seeing more and more offenses um, use this pattern and get it involved in their everyday offenses. Of course, no 
uh, SEC offenses features cross quite like Alabama. Uh, but speaking of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, um, Florida and Georgia's entering that game in SEC play, their most featured pass concept was cross. And both average, both teams going into that uh, that game on Saturday average at least a 13 yards per attempt. So again, it's collapsing those two deep coverages. And when they are um, having to give an extra body in the box, that's when you see the vertical pass game really mm-hmm. open up. It's because they're doing a lot of things that are just – well, I wouldn't say basic, but it's just effective things. They're not just doing what like South Carolina did against Georgia, which is like the divide concept of a heavy max play action, where it's just two guys running um, fades on the outside and one guy's running a middle read post. Just, you know, he's splitting the safeties if it's too deep or he's running the post. If it's one deep, just trying to occupy and make sure the two guys outside the numbers have one-on-one matchups. This is much more schemed up. It's much more, um, I should say, cerebral than just lining them up and playing matchup style of football. And when an offense has the talent and the schematic edge, it just really gets me off. Because, of course, a few years ago, it wasn't it wasn't too long ago that Georgia, um, before Manga got here, it was just, all right, we're bigger, we're stronger than you, we're just line up and smash, right? Of course, that works for 95% of the opponents. But when you play the elites, you have to scheme some guys open on occasion, and you can't just hope that you can just win those physical matchups every given down. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't know if y'all had a, had a pen and paper in your hand during this podcast, but that's shame on you. It's re- good thing it's just recorded. It's recorded. Okay, that's, I was just going to tell the people put this on loop, y'all. Just put it on loop. This is fantastic, Daniel. What was the question you had about overall? Well, I couldn't help but notice just as you were talking, Clark. You were talking about. Uh, Georgia and Florida running similar concepts in the vertical passing game. I couldn't help but notice on on Saturday, I didn't notice a ton of Florida's vertical passing game. Mm. I'm not sure if I missed it. I was maybe squinting a little bit during the game and turned around real quick. Well, especially with Emory Jones, um, the big complaints with that fan base has been the lack of verticality. It's been horizontal base. It's been flood patterns and bootlegs and just mid-range, intermediate passing games and having real issues pressing the ball downfield. So they've had to do a lot mm. of pop passes and uh, things of that nature, very watered down, deep passing concepts. Well, mm. the, the hope was Anthony Richardson's um, natural God-given traits were able to um, open up the playbook. But sure. I How'd that go? Looked, I just looked at the updated accuracy percentages numbers on uh, passes beyond 10 plus yards downfield. Homeboys dead last in the conference. Uh, oh, no. So, um, yeah, um, there's just not a whole lot of hope there because their most consistent quarterback is obviously handcuffed to to being able to give these explosive games where you have to rely on yak stuff, screens, and, and, you know, and stuff after the catch. And the guy who is more gifted to pass the ball downfield has just not been as accurate. So – problem well he was he was pretty accurate when he threw the ball to kobe dean uh on saturday and so we uh, did appreciate that he said uh, he said there ain't no hope he you said, stick up to the end of the podcast and that's what you get you get clark just an unbiased guy that covers the sec who literally said the words there's no hope for the florida no offense i heard it you heard it we all heard it and so that's the uh, you just. Game, that. I should say, but the I, no, to, no, it's fine. It's fine, Clerk. You're, you're you can't. Good. No, no. We're all. We all heard what you said. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay. Listen, I was gonna. I want to get your thoughts. I might. Ha- we might have to have you back on the pod and get your yeah. kind of landscape. Yes, sir. Football. 
thoughts. I want to ask you this question, though, because this is just for me. Um, but maybe there's a lot of our fans, that a lot of people that watch the show, and they're just, they're just college football fans. They're not you. They don't know any of the words that you just said. Nothing that you j- are talking about makes any sense to them. But they, but they do care about their team. They do love football. They do understand the concepts of football. But you know, it's it's football is kind of going the way of baseball in terms of like there are you know tw- twenty five years ago these stats did not exist. You know there was. There was yards gained. There was touchdowns scored. There was completion percentage, you know, like, and you got to completion percentage and that was kind of where you stopped. So if I'm a fan and these, these, what, whatever you want to call them, these metrics are out there. These statistics are out there. This stuff that you do, obviously somebody's going to follow you and you're, we're going to give you a chance to, to tell people how to do that. But give me an air, a, a category on defense and a category on offense that like, if I'm going to pay attention to something that really matters, like that really is going to be among the most significant statistical categories to pay attention to. You already mentioned the explosive plays. So maybe other than that, but give me something to go check to, it's going to really correlate to is my team doing good or not? Well, the new um, hot buzz statistic that a lot of people are talking of in college and the NFL is called expected points added EPA for short. So basically Hmm. that puts in success rate, which is a statistic that I like to use. It basically compartmentalizes every type of down and distance into a successful situation. So we know what third downs are going to be successful. If you don't move the chains, it's a failed try, right? So, but what's a, what's a successful try on first and second down? So it just basically, you have to gain 50% or more on first down, 70% of yards to gain on second down, hundred percent for the later downs. So it, it takes that type of mentality, but applies points per play as well, because what is a, you know, a 10 yard completion with 10 seconds left in the second quarter, in the second quarter, and you're just getting conversion, then it's over, right? You're not really yeah. getting yourself. Um, a position to get more points. So what EPA does, it just puts a little bit more context around based on everything. And it takes throughout of all the examples of all the plays throughout its history. And it measures, okay, how many times has a um, positive outcome happened from this play? And how many times has a negative outcome happened from that play? And it takes that margin and it shoots out one number called EPA. And that's basically what you get. Obviously there's going to be some things that fall through the cracks, but again, because it does measure things by context better than any other statistic, statistic out there. That's why it's really jumping up the zeitgeist in a lot of people's, you know, um, go-to statistics these days, especially if you're a hmm. gambler, because um, when you're just looking at like a success rate or yards per attempt in a box, and you don't necessarily know how to adjust that for opponents, you um, obviously can be, you know, put in a bad spot there, but EPA is just a little bit better designed to do so. That said, most people's EPAs are not opponent adjusted. So you can have crazy outlier performances against really bad teams. And that still really does stick with your overall um, cumulative output. So again, I would really stress to watch for parameters like um, best teams played. If it is against conference as opposed to non-conference and really keep an eye on where the big outliers are for EPA, because like any statistic, it can be inflated. It can be manipulated. But if you had to boil down to any one stat 
those are particularly ones to watch out for. And of course, like you mentioned, if not, I would absolutely pay attention to things like explosive pass rate and yards before contact because um, anyone can run to green grass, but not everybody can go up, around, and through obstacles in one's path. Um, basically, then, what I hear you saying is um, you're smart and we're not. And so what we need what no, we no, need no, to no. do no again Florida has no hope on offense these are the That's things what I um and Clark is smart and we are not I'm happy with both those outcomes I'm happy with both of the things not that we've mad. learned today um Clark tell the people how we can be connected to you how we can um, get the content that you're putting out uh, where we can follow you where we can find you and um yeah how we can uh see the things that you're creating on social i'm most active on twitter so the account is at sec sec underscore statcat so um on weekends i like to at least live chart at least one game a week and usually it's the nooners um sometimes i'll do two or three depending on how the the flows go of charting but yeah i'm live charting every offensive snap getting things from the benign to targets to the advanced things like depth-adjusted accuracy percentage and pressures and mm. specific concepts and formations and personnel packages that everyone's in. And if you are like me and you like those nitty-gritty statistics and you are interested to see, oh, what is Stetson Bennett's uh, first down pass chart and where is he directing balls, you can find that on my site, secstatcat.com. So, again, you can just find – the concepts people are where, uh, are running, it's broken off into a nice little pie chart, a nice percentage breakdown. You can see it separated by runs and passes. You can see how that reflects to the conference as a whole. You can see league-wide league leaders in advanced statistical categories in rusher, passer, and catcher pages. Um, you can see a team's script game by game. So for me, um, obviously football is like a, a language, right? You just kind of hinted on it. I spoke a lot of garbage gook, a lot of – um, terms that I'm sure all, over a lot of people's heads, but part of the uh, part of the mission of this site was to help the average fan become a little bit more informed to find out what's a Mills concept, what's the difference from an inside zone slam and a duo dive, why is it a counter jab as opposed to a duo dive? You know, just little things like that. So when you're reading the script, I have one-on-one videos which are like a minute, two minutes, really easily and digestible. So you can become a little bit more informed and a little bit more engaged to your favorite SEC football program. And right now, the site is set up to be like a freemium type of style. So you can get X amount of things for free until you're prompted to pay as you go for um, more access or you can just pay for a subscription for unlimited monthly access. And like I said, there's a whole lot of data, um, basically a whole lot of parameters, so many filters you can uh, play with. You can spend hours and hours and hours on the site alone, just uh, filtering just to see different um, outputs. But um, again, if you are a, an avid SEC football fan or a casual or degenerate gambler and everything in between, I don't think of a, I don't think of any other site that could definitely help you sway where you want, where you want to put your dollars week to week. That's you're speaking our language, Clark. Everything, and, everything you just said. Um, uh, listen, we loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. We are certainly going to have to do it again sometime. Uh, go follow 
uh, Clark, uh, go follow the Twitter, check out the site, um, go dive into all these metrics and things and go learn you something that will be, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're going to do. This is an educational podcast. It's the more, you know, only it's like been a 40 minute version of it today. That's right. Um, that's right. thanks for coming on again. Clint and I will be back tomorrow. We're giving out locks. And so if you are a degenerate gambler, uh, check back tomorrow and we will have all of our picks um for the weekend of college football thanks for being here and we will see you guys tomorrow see ya